I used to be terrified to get off the train and walk at 11 o'clock at night uh, back to the, the apartment building. I, I remember even uh, one time during the day, I was shortly after I had been beaten by the Hispanic gang walking home from high school, and on Jerome Street, I saw two kids across the street, and I just walked, I walked into a driveway, and I knocked on the, the door of the first house I, come to, I came to, and I, I asked the ladies to please let me in because I... I think I'm about to be attacked, and I had been attacked last week. And uh, they first didn't want to open the door, but eventually they did. It turns out I, I went to that house especially because one one of the ladies had been married to a substitute teacher who used to sub for us in elementary school. Mister, just I, I shouldn't mention names, but so I won't. But he had been a substitute, and. Uh, so I went in there, and, and she says, this neighborhood's going, she says, where do you live? I said, I live in the big house up on the corner. I said, but we can't stay here. We're just hanging on until our number comes up so we can get out and get and do and place that out of here. And everybody moved. A lot of people moved to East Flatbush, uh, 95th Street. That neighborhood went downhill shortly after that. They didn't gain too much. Uh, Rockaway Parkway area. Uh, some moved to Howard Beach and uh, in, in Queens. But uh, a lot of some went to Rigo Park, housing projects in Rigo Park. But you just couldn't stay there anymore. And a lot of the stores uh, closed up. And uh, the, the grocery stores became bodegas. And uh, I forgot to mention before that even though there was only one supermarket, uh, in the mid-1950s, a type of grocery store opened up, which was like a mini supermarket. They used to call them superettes. And they were, they were like larger stores, but they weren't uh, what you would call a, a supermarket. And they were mom and pop stores. And there were some small, tiny little unofficial one-company one uh, supermarkets, they call themselves. One was Block Brothers on Van Sicklin Avenue between Dumont and Livonia, which was like three storefronts where they had chopped into three stores and made it. Uh, or maybe four stores, and had made it into what they called a, a supermarket. But it wasn't a chain. It was an individual an in individual operation. But the, the neighborhood, all the stores began to close up. Uh, landlords began to dump housing. Like so? No, they walked away. They walked away because the tenants that they had went and the people who were coming in were not going to be paying rent and they weren't going to be the kind that would be maintaining the premises. So they would just basically walk away from the houses. These houses were set on fire, sometimes by the landlord, sometimes by people who broke into them. Uh, drug problem became intense. So I would say the drugs killed East New York because it, it increased the crime and it... it uh, there were two druggists, uh, drugstore owners, that were attacked. One was killed. Mr. Leibowitz was, was shot to death in his store on, on Dumont and, and uh, Van Sicklin Avenue. He had a corner drugstore, and he resisted a, 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 a robbery, and he was shot, and, and he was killed. And there was another elderly pharmacist on Blake and Warwick, and uh, he was attacked, and they broke his collarbone. So they were after drugs. And that's where you went to get uh, the painkillers or whatever they were going after at that time. So everybody left. Uh, and 
many people uh, who were now coming into the area were extremely poor. Uh, many were on public assistance. They got involved with drugs and into crime. And the place became a slum. I, I drove my, my wife before I married her. I said, I'm going to take you to a place. I want to show you what my neighborhood looks like today. And what it, because I used to tell her what it was like and how nice it was and what a good feeling it had, feeling connected and, and feeling like it was safe and secure and easygoing, like a little town. And I drove her down streets that looked like Berlin in 1945, burned out buildings boarded up stores uh, some of the the stores before this uh, period of time had been uh, nobody could get tenants for the stores so the landlords converted them into uh, apartments in a store can you can you picture a tiny store two stores and they would make that into an apartment and and that didn't last long the uh, the synagogues uh, lost uh, enough people to keep them open, and uh, they were abandoned. Some of them became churches. Mine became a church on on uh, on Barbie and and, and Dumont. Uh, today it's a vacant lot. Nobody even bothered to build anything on it. Uh, so I, I've. I, I go through there from time to time with the car, but more now I do it on Google because I get the Google Street View, and it is so far different. There are places I would never recognize. My apartment house is still standing. It's owned by the City of New York Human Resources Department, and it's like a halfway house for people who have been in trouble and been on drugs and so on. It's had a lot of health violations, filth violations in the last few years, according to the website. And... A lot of the apartment houses have been leveled, new ones have been built, and the churches in the, from the Nehemiah Project, they basically got government grants and they, they tore down the old buildings, the wood frame row houses and the, some of the brick houses, and they put up what are really uh, suburban style houses with parking in the front. Single family house, sometimes two stories for two families. The, the, the yard, that beautiful yard that I loved behind my, that house was vacant uh, after Mr. Eversley, who was the last owner, he passed on. He had lived in the top story in the loft area and rented out the bottom. And when he was 86, uh, he, he couldn't really sell it because it was a landmark and the city gave him a very hard time because he couldn't make renovations to it. And toward the end, he just wanted to get his money back. I saw a newspaper article. He said, I just want to get my money back. He said, I'm 86 years old. Anyway, he moved in with his daughter in Freeport. And the house became a crack den. And either the neighborhood burned it down to get rid of the crack den or the crack addicts in, in heating their, their uh, drugs uh, started a fire. And it, it burned down. And today you have five buildings, each lot. When Mr. Durier uh, sold his, his uh, market garden, is what they used to call it. They used to have like a truck farm for the city uh, restaurants and whatever. Uh, he had it divided up into plots, 100, 100 long, 100 deep by 20 wide. So five of those plots are now five separate houses with parking 
in the front. There's no trace left of it. But it used to be one? It was one house. It was originally one house, one barn, and one carriage house. And the original... I have, I have maps that I've gotten off the web. I, I, I see, I've done a lot of research. If you have time, I can show you a little bit of what I've done. And then I want to ask you a favor if you could help me on something because you're in the library system. But today there's no trace of the house, and all you have is those five buildings that, that sit on a quarter-acre piece of land that are pristine with the big old maple, swamp maples, where it tapered down toward the other side next to an old house that was below grade level. And um, the big willow tree that was in front of the house that uh, used to, you could hear the wind blowing through it on the hot summer days. You could hear the rustle of the leaves from my apartment. And it was just a beautiful, restful, serene place. uh, To take it back uh, briefly, um, you had said your mother classify the family as lower middle class yeah. what did uh, she or your father my mother didn't work and my father worked for the state of New York he was an auditor he used to go from uh, uh, clothing factory to clothing factory and, and, and make sure that uh, the, um, the, um, the 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 um, unemployment and uh, social security or not the social security but the state unemployment taxes were paid and that the bosses weren't favoring one worker over another by taking more or less from one person or another, and that the accounts were funded and so on. And uh, he literally had a go for He was a master of transportation. He had a, a million street directories, and he had to make an itinerary. It was a lousy job. He try, had no car. He, we never had a car. And mass transit, it was always, he had to go into the office once a week. He used to do reports like we used to do lesson plans. He used to have, the night before he had to go into the office, he was sitting up there with the fan blowing on a hot, miserable night with humidity. Nobody had air conditioners in my building except one who had his own business. We, some people had a window fan, little had two tiny things in the bedroom. Most people, like we did, we just had a window uh, a table fan. He'd sit there in his shorts and T-shirt. And, and sweat writing reports that he had to hand into the office in Manhattan for, for Wednesday when he had to go in. And they kept tabs on him. They had a call in, where are you now, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he had a lousy supervisor that, uh, that uh, was not on his side, the first one. Later on, he had a nice supervisor that, that wasn't antagonistic to him. But he didn't uh, earn a lot. He probably earned at that time about uh, $3,000 a year for doing that work. When he retired toward the very end, he was only making like ten, and that was so many years later. World War II, more than World War II, the Great Depression influenced the people. There was the impulse to save everything in case it might be needed and to endlessly repair and fix things because you didn't know if you'd be able to get a replacement for it. So, uh, for instance, uh, my father was, was raised to be able to turn the cuffs on shirts and turn the collars on shirts when they were worn. And all the buttons got cut off of something before they were thrown out because you never knew when you needed a button and you might not be able to get one. Uh, old pots were, were saved. Uh, it, there was no 
there, there was no um, a feeling of, well, uh, that looks pretty shabby. Let me go out and get a new one. It was, I'll use this until I can't use it anymore. And if I have to, I'll go out and I'll buy a new one. And basically, we need this. We'll buy this, but we won't buy that. And the idea of um, just being conscious of the fact that that money is scarce and you, and you have to save things and have to have priorities. And, and I think the Depression had more of an impact on on my grandparents' generation and my father's generation than the war did. Because the war was a temporary evil restriction of what you can do and what you couldn't access to certain foodstuffs. And, but but the, the, the Depression what was a question of you got to find a way of getting by on, on not that much money. And uh, I, I had said in, in my report that many of my contemporaries lived in two-story, one-family type things, but there was like an apartment on the top. And I said the grandparent owned the house and lived in one of the apartments. Now, if you think about that for a minute, why didn't these people have their own houses? Why is it that they got used to living with grandma and grandpa? So that the grandkids, of course, that was great for the grandkids because they got to grow up with grandma and grandpa only a few feet away. But... There were a lot of, of my kids that I went to elementary school with who were in that situation. I had a friend on Hendrick Street. I had a friend on Dumont Avenue. I had a friend on all the side streets. Wherever I had friends, it was a two-story row building with a grandparent owned the building. And the, the father or the mother lived in the house that the grandparents had bought back in the 1920s or the 1930s, whatever the case might be. Some people had, who had extra money were able to buy up houses probably a lot cheaper during the Depression because prices on everything dropped. But this was not a wealthy neighborhood. So, uh, I mean, I, I pointed out that uh, uh, the butcher of this big butcher shop used to still make it a practice in the early 1950s to give out slices of rye bread to the kids. I mean, what was that all about? Well, where did that come from? And it had to be that he was doing that during the Depression to the, in the neighborhood to help the, the kids out. And the slice of salami, same thing. It's, it's protein. It was fatty protein, but that and then a slice of rye So that would be my answer to that question, that the, probably the Depression affected life in East New York for my generation and my parents' generation uh, more so than the war. Of course, there were a lot of gold star families. There were a lot of people who lost. My, my, my grandfather had a heart attack when his son was killed. You, gold star, I mean, meaning? Gold star. The, like, gold star means you lost a son passed. in the war. Uh, Your gold star mothers and gold star fathers. I still have the lapel pin that the Army, Department of the Army, gave to my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh, indicating that they were gold star parents, and and on the window they had like uh, a type of cloth gold star that you could hang up, indicating to people walking by that that you had lost uh, a son hmm. during the war. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if there's anything else you would add, otherwise. 
Uh, about that, no. Uh, I, I would I would say that um, uh, I, I'm glad to see that that East New York is is fighting back from the despair and and from the uh, excessive crime and the blight that developed in the 19 mid 1960s and the 1970s. Uh, I, I would also uh, like to to think that. Uh, because the ethnic majority has changed, that they won't uh, be um, hostile to uh, people of other ethnic groups that choose to make East New York their home and not have an attitude like, well, now we own the land. It's ours now.